Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. faces a choice this is battleground america here's tara servatius they got a serial killer brian koberger but there were three shocking they're jarring things about how they got him all of which show how the country is changing digitally the first reported by cnn and the new york post after six weeks They were able to nail down who this guy was who killed the four Idaho students. How'd they do it? By taking DNA from the scene. And it was a lot of DNA from the scene because there'd been so many parties that these kids had had. So we're talking dozens and dozens and dozens of samples. It was a nightmare of a crime scene, right? But taking that DNA, all of it, from the crime scene, from the dozens of individuals um, whose DNA were there, again, from the parties, and running it through what? Ancestry-based databases, public databases, using genealogy, genetics to track who this guy was, and they got him. Have you ever done one of those family genealogy tests? I did way back in the beginning, like 15 years ago when they were in their infancy. No one imagined these databases would be like this, but they are. So here's what the police then had. They were able to take... Again, over 50 genetic profiles from the crime scenes, run them through the databases. In some of the cases, that would mean, you know, if you had gotten an ancestry kit for your birthday when you were 17, uh, they'd have your actual profile and know who you were, or they'd be able to zero in on you. Okay, you are closely genetically related to your cousin who did one of those um, and narrow it down that way. So look, even if you are not in the database because you've never taken one of those ancestry DNA tests, you know, where you, they swab your cheek and you send your DNA in, it doesn't matter. If another member of your family did, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a parent, you're in there. They can find you. So that's what the police had. They either had the direct profile if, you know, some of these party goers, friends, people who'd been through the apartment, um, they either had their direct profile uh, because they had done an ancestry style kit or Uh, They had narrowed in on their family well enough that they could find them if they had never done an ancestry kit. Think about that. Look, we all want to catch serial killers. We all badly wanted to get this guy. But what is the implication here for the future? And that was just the first jarring thing about this. So here's what the police had 
at that point, what the FBI had at that point. And that database they used was public. This stuff has been, this genetic information has now been sold so many times, the police can just log on and look at it. So what they had was literally dozens of suspects whose DNA or partial DNA had been left in that apartment. They didn't know who the killer was, though. Enter creepy aspect number two. And as I talk about this, think along two tracks. One, how cool it is we can solve crimes this way. Yes, but how scary this would be if they use it for anything else. So what was number two giveaway that this guy was the actual murderer? He was stalking his victims like a cat or another predator stalks prey. How do we know? UK Daily Mail reported this, that his cell phone pings, phone pings closely followed the victim's every move for weeks. That's from the UK Daily Mail. That he, by then the prime suspect, was stalking the victims ahead of the murders with their cell phone locations matching up with his. So that's not enough. I mean, this guy could have been a friend. Uh, It's a college town. It's not a big town. They go to the same places. Is that enough to get him? No. Enter the final bizarre aspect of this. Because even with all of that genetic information, that only puts him in the apartment, like so many of the other party goers from the wild parties they would throw and had thrown in the weeks before the murder. So they needed to get him and put him at the scene of the crime at the time of the crime. Enter the board gas station assistant manager. The FBI and the police had been so sloppy and haphazard in this investigation, they hadn't even bothered to collect video from the escape route. That's astonishing. Given that right here in little old Greenville, South Carolina, I've done an interview with the sheriff in the last six months about how literally just armed robberies, they've been getting armed robbers by, hey, when there's a stick up, a hold up, um, you know, at a convenience store, clerk beaten, but not killed. Um, what do they do? They'll just go pull the video uh, from the route and bam, they got the car. One of those videos is going to get the car and they're going to get the plate. It happens every time. So this is now standard investigative procedure here in Greenville for a gas station robbery. And yet the incredible sloppiness, which we're seeing in so many different cases, school shooters of the FBI, main escape route gas station. Nobody ever bothered to ask for the video, which it turns out showed a white car speeding at a high rate of speed away from the scene at, you know, just after the time of the murders. They could have gotten this guy weeks before. This is the kind of thing you put a lot of manpower on. But as we've learned over the Christmas break, the FBI is busy doing other things like the 80 agents they have dedicated around the clock just to censoring you and me, all the school shooters they've missed, and mass shooters. It's now become, I mean, almost cliche after a mass shooting or a school shooting to find out this person was reported multiple times to the FBI. They were supposed to be keeping up with them. They did not. The person then went and bought a gun, oftentimes shouldn't have been able to, but were. Well, who handles the background checks? FBI. And, you know, we've now found out over Christmas why this stuff's not getting done. Because they have put so much manpower and effort into censoring people like me and you um, from having thoughts of doubt about the Biden administration. So this kind of just really chafes me. But here's the story, and it's unbelievable. This clerk who works 
at the gas station um, that the white Elantra went flying by, literally fleeing the scene on camera. This attendant, after about two weeks, right, the murders uh, have gone kind of cold, um, and says, you know what, I'm on the escape route. This is common sense. This is a gas station clerk, right? Um, So she starts, because it's middle of the night and she's bored, going back through video camera from two weeks before. And she does this over a period of two weeks. So the murders occur on November 13th, right? Two weeks pass. She's like, you know, I wonder what's on our video camera. Nobody's ever come to get it. Um, And it's, you know, pointed at right out there on the road. She knows when the the date and the time of the murder uh, was approximately 3.45 a.m. So she just starts systematically going back through the tape till she works her way to that night. And bam, there's the car fleeing the scene. The white sedan. In other words, putting him leaving the scene of the crime. Folks, nobody would have gotten this video. Nobody was going to bother. So, folks, understand this. The main holdup in getting this guy was how long it ter- took the assistant manager clerk of this store to go through video clips little by little over about two weeks. Something they should have been doing. It's, it's unbelievable. Anyway, so she finally is able to isolate the picture of the car, takes a, a, a picture of the video, and sends it to an email address the police had set up to receive tips. So she does this in the middle of the night. By 11 a.m. the next morning, uh, the police show up at the gas station to get the video. Um, it tips them off to the car. They finally, you know, we all heard on the news, hey, look out for this car. None of that would have happened without her. What does it say as a society? Well, it's a good thing that murderers are going to have a harder and harder time getting away with this, that criminals are going to have a harder and harder time getting away with this. And that's good when we're putting away bad people. But what is crime? Well, crime is increasingly becoming having wrong think, being with the wrong people, belonging to the wrong groups. So for that kind of crime, we're looking at a web that even in the face of massive FBI and local police incompetence still works to snare its victims digitally, genetically, from their cell phones, from the digital tracks and traces and genetic tracks and traces we all leave behind. Which brings us to part two of this podcast, the Safety Act in Illinois. Heard about it? It's been called the most dangerous law in America. You'll see in a minute how all of this is related. It was passed by liberal legislators who barely read it and signed uh, into law by Illinois liberal lunatic Governor Pritzker. And it essentially creates a Wild West atmosphere there where criminals who now are a privileged class on the left, a victim class. So increasingly the left's goal in our country has been to establish the idea that anyone who is part of a victim class simply cannot have laws applied to them, while those who are victimizers, i.e. anyone who is oriented toward freedom, personal liberties, bill of rights, those people are the real threat. Those people ought to have the law applied to them in the absolute extreme, while criminal members of the victim class can do whatever the hell they like. Here's what the law would have done. Now, a judge has suspended it. Uh, They're going to have hearings on it. They Uh, It might still go into effect. It might not. But the reason that you need to learn about this and understand this is because this is what the left will do 
nationally the first time they get big majorities. And I'm going to tell you why they're doing this. There is an actual reason. Listen to what it would have done. Established non-detainable offenses. In other words, eliminated bail. So uh, for these crimes, aggravated battery, aggravated DUI, aggravated fleeing, arson, burglary, drug-induced homicide, intimidation, kidnapping, robbery, second-degree murder, threatening a police official. What does this mean? Well, uh, you just committed second-degree murder. We just found the body. We know you did it, but we can't stop you. We, we can file charges against you, but we can't pick you up. Now, the bail part of that was suspended for now, but parts of it remain, including one part that says people can trespass on your property, including breaking into your home, but as long as they are not violent with you personally or threaten violence against you, they can't be detained. They can't be arrested. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Fox News commentator Joe Concha lost it over this. And if I break into somebody's home and I'm not violent about it, then I can't be arrested? I mean, this will only make Chicago and Illinois in general infinitely more dangerous. What is this? Something I've warned you about for a long time. And our side is thinking about it all wrong. We just don't get it. What is this? This is the elimination of property rights. This is the left making sure that their thugs think Antifa, their mobs, um, the mobs that roam the street, um, you know, in the summer of love, set up their own autonomous spaces. Those mobs... This is the left making sure that their left-wing mobs can get to you wherever you are. And you cannot repel them with a call to law enforcement. That's what this is. This isn't just protection for the criminal class, although it is that. This isn't just dual justice, although it is that. This is the erasure of property rights. This is how when conservatives, freedom-loving individuals, or just those who want to have free speech online and then the mob comes to their house, this is how police departments in blue areas and eventually the whole country, because they will do this at the national level, they're telling you, the Democrats are showing you what they will do. This is how police get out of responding to your 911 call when the lynch mob comes to your house Because they didn't like your social media post. Here's some more of Joe Concha and Nina Vogel on Fox News. Their mouths just hanging open talking about the implications of this. Police officers are prohibited from charging people for nonviolent trespassing. So, in other words, someone can come onto your property, trespass, and that's just perfectly fine. No crime, no arrest. See you later. I mean, does that make any sense? 
It makes zero sense. And so if, if I'm a criminal, I'll, I'll, I could say, OK, I could try to break into somebody's home. And as long as I don't touch the people that live there, then I guess everything will be OK. Then I won't be charged. I mean, th this is supposed to be uh, the United States of America. You, you trespass. You go into somebody's property. You get arrested. It's that simple. And, and yet, I mean, yeah. cities like New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Philadelphia just set another homicide record again. No, honey. No, Joe. No, that's not what this is about. It, it, now, this is where our side just can't see what's going on. This is not about, oh, Democrats don't get it about criminals. They're naive. They don't care. They're not naive. Look, folks, those of you who've been listening to me for a long time know this. What the Democrats are doing in our country is copying the run-up to the Russian revolution. Why are they doing that? I've told you for a long time. Because everything that's happening in this country, it's eerily similar to the Russian Revolution, which ushered in communism. Okay, why have they picked that model? Because Russia, in the 20 years before the Russian Revolution that ushered in communism, uh, through a stolen election, uh, ironically, was one of the most heavily armed populations on earth. That's why they studied it. That's why they're copying it. Because they know the U.S. is one of the most heavily armed populations on earth. How do you affect a totalitarian revolution on a country so heavily armed? You copy the one your forebears did over 100 years ago in Russia. And it worked. How did they do it? Um, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, forgive me. I've got to explain it again for the newbies. What it started with were attacks on police. Police were demonized first, just like during the Summer of Love, George Floyd. And then police began to atta get attacked with acid thrown in their faces. It was very fashionable in that period um, of Russian history, the 20-year lead up to the Communist Revolution. And they began to break society down in that way and to attack those who opposed the Marxists. So just like Black Lives Matter became a very hot group, uh, they had similar groups that politicians would raise money for and donate. And these were groups that were literally throwing acid in the faces of politicians and, who supported the police and the police. These groups then got so out of control in their campaign of terror, they were Marxist groups, that the way they were able to grab control of the country, it took them 20 years till the final actual revolution, was that they would go to your house and torture you in front of your entire family, then kill you and your whole family. So while these Marxists could have never won on a battlefield against the vast numbers of armed Russians, they did it with a campaign of terror. That campaign of terror then expanded. So if you were a jury looking to, um, you know, convict one of these Marxists for yet another attack on a police officer, his family, uh, maybe a judge who wanted to sentence you, um, guess what? You're not going to vote for conviction because they may end up in your living room. They killed over and tortured and killed over 20,000 people this way. That we know of. And they think another 15,000 at least in the countryside. They're not entirely sure during that time period. That campaign of terror was so effective that by the time the actual revolution and uprising rolled around, people were people who could have interfered and kicked back the Marxist didn't because they were so terrified. Well, look at this law in Illinois. Think about what this would mean nationally. All those roving mobs we've seen in these blue cities, all of these Antifa attacks we're beginning to see um, at these 
protests, you know, with the drag shows for kids, uh, the well-meaning parents and others go to protest the drag show and Antifa shows up armed to the nines with snipers um, on surrounding rooftops, beats the protesters right in front of police. This is who they're looking to empower with this Illinois law. This isn't actually about criminals. This is about making sure that when the mob goes to the house of those with wrong think, those who are the enemy, the mob can have their way with them and police need not respond. Now, I know one of you is going to message me and say, but but, but Tara, wouldn't this mean um, that left-wing politicians would be unsafe too? The mob could go to their house. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. No, they'll find plenty of other statutes to go after people like me or you if we were to go to a left-wing politician's house and peacefully protest in front of it. Don't misunderstand. What this is, is the excuse. And I've been warning about this for a while. They actually spelled this out uh, in the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, when they did a piece last year, and I did a background on it, where they said, you know, hey, is it wrong of us to oppose burglars coming into our homes? Uh, do we really want laws against that? It was an editorial and it was staggering. Why would they say that? Uh, because for those with a Marxist point of view, i.e. the voters in San Francisco, it would be wrong of you to own your own property and exclude somebody, you know, of lesser income from your property. This is an absolute Soviet era mentality. Never forget in the Soviet era in the USSR after the Marxists took over, they took all property. So what this means is if you had had, you know, a nice middle class home with three bedrooms, um, you know, and a kitchen, your family would be reduced your entire family to living in one bedroom and they would move other people into the other bedrooms and you had to allow them to live with you. That's how the Marxist, that's how increasingly liberal voters in these enclaves view property. And that's what this Illinois law is about. It's not about criminals. And I'm afraid our side's going to figure it out too late, but this is what they are doing and for now, you can avoid it by not living in one of their spaces. But I'm telling you, the first time they get a big enough majority, they would have done it in this Congress that came in in 2020. They didn't have big enough majorities. The first time they get a big enough majority, they will ram this down our throats at the national level. Keep your eye on it. Battleground America with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.